Greetings, people of Earth. You have stumbled upon Voluntucky, the podcast that is all about sustaining our voluntarist world in Pulaski County, Kentucky. The very first county in these United States to not only be defined as the boundaries or territory of a particular set of thugs. Libertarian and anarcho-capitalist podcasts are already very different from other podcasts, but this one is different even among them. Because I have no need or desire to convince you that voluntarism is the way to go. The Voluntucky community is already unequivocally demonstrating just that. And welcome back, Voluntucky community members. Big show today for a couple of reasons. To start off, I've got some excellent news. If you haven't already heard, James is out. Yes, as of 6 p.m. last night, Pulaski County Courts have dropped all charges against James Gilreath, and he is home now with his family, and that is amazing news. I hope to have him on today with me, but but he's settling in at home after nine months being locked up, and I don't blame him at all for not wanting to be anywhere else right now. I did get to speak with him briefly, and he promised to come in and do a show with me here in the next couple weeks so he could thank the Voluntucky community for all of your support throughout this ordeal. As all of you know, James was charged with assault on one of the special people last winter, or as they call it, assault on a police officer, because somehow that's a bigger deal when it happens to one of the protected class in what was a crystal clear case of self-defense, and it was pretty obvious right away that they wanted to make an example out of him. I know I know a lot of you have been itching to just go in and get him, and I was right there with you, but you know, that's exactly what they were hoping we would try to do. And James was smart enough to see that set up from the inside. They tried to keep him from getting any messages uh, outside the jail, but he managed to do it <laughs> with a little help from my friend somehow. You know, they tried their best to get him convicted and shipped out of the county as soon as possible. But to be honest, I think they were afraid to try to move him from the jail. And I can go ahead and talk a little bit about some of these things now, I guess, since it's over. But sure did seem like every move they made or were thinking about making throughout this whole debacle was immediately known by our community, didn't it? Why is that, you think? (laughs) I'll just let you pontificate on that. And, of course, it didn't hurt him at all to walk into a courtroom with as world-class an attorney as Kevin Schultz in his corner, either. Kevin is a good guy, folks. He and his team are 100% on our side, and I'm telling you, if you're not paying the couple hundred tucky a year to be part of his TVP member plan, to have them on retainer, you need to do that. That one simple decision had a big part to play and why James is at home with his family right now and not sitting in Eddyville or LaGrange. If they had managed to get him out of the county, 
odds are we would not have been able to get him back. So my personal thanks goes out to Mr. Schultz and his people for handling James's case and quite a few others that I know of. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. I don't think Kevin has paid for his own beer in quite a while around here. <laughs> now, something else uh, we in the community might want to pay attention to that maybe no one else has noticed, but I did. There were four and only four other community members that were also in the jail on other charges that didn't quite grab the headlines as much as James's case did. And all of them have been released within the past week. Now, why would that be? Hmm. I usually save this segment for the end of the show, but what the hell. Maybe this would be a good time to mention the membership numbers for the week. <laughs> as of right now, we have 9,986 official members. We also have 22 prospective members under review. But I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they decided to release every single Voluntucky community member that they were holding all within just a few days of one another. Now, three of those cases, I'm positive they wouldn't have heard a peep from us about after the trigger if they had kept them locked up. And I know this because they were immediately charged with accusations of property violations by other community members, and all three were released to the custody of members of their respective juries, and hearings are going to be held for all of them within the next few days. The jurors for that fourth person have decided that that person didn't need to be detained uh, pending their hearing. But James was the only person they were holding that was not likely to be facing any charges from the community, which is probably why he's gotten so much support from us. But uh, it just so happens they chose to release every member they were holding just as it becomes obvious that our trigger number of 10,000 is imminent. Now, for the, for the past few months, we've been showing up in mass whenever a member has sent out an alert that they were having an encounter with a state actor. And before James's situation, we didn't do that much. We've always responded well and handled business whenever non-state actors were involved, but when the state was involved, not many of us would show up if anybody showed up because nobody could charge you with a charter violation for not showing up when the state was involved before the trigger. The James Gilreath case changed all that. It's only been a handful of times since then that we've gotten that alert that an encounter with a state actor was underway, and we've not interfered, but we did show up. And only one of those times did they decide to kidnap that community member anyway. But they did it with no less than 60 people standing there, watching, recording every move they made. I was there every one of those calls. I don't think anybody said a word to them. We just watched with our guns on our hips and in our slings and our cameras in our hands. And I'm telling you folks, they felt us standing there. If they were blind, they could have felt us. They didn't just see us, they felt us. And that was before anybody had to show up or could face any repercussions for not showing up. We were standing there because we wanted to be standing there. Last time that happened, I believe, was back in June. 
Haven't had any of those state actor calls since then, though, have we? That last time was when I knew. I, I knew before, but now I had real reason to believe that the project was going to be a success. And here we are now. Staring at that trigger well within the horizon. We'll probably hit it within the next couple days. So... I guess we should talk about what things are going to change, and the answer to that is not much. I, I really don't believe much is going to change at all when it comes to uh, local involuntary government. We've been living in and with and around them for several years now, and they know what we're all about, and we know what they're all about. We pretty much know what to expect from each other, but here's what we might be facing from here with people with whom we haven't been living with, who may not have gotten the message just yet that we don't play by their rulebook anymore. For the most part, our smaller member-owned businesses have figured out how to do very large portions of their business with the Voluntucky or other types of cryptocurrencies. And I know quite a few of them haven't taken a single U.S. dollar for quite a while. So they haven't been paying the KRS or IRS Gestapo for a long time now because they show no profit in dollars. And for all of the setbacks that come from that, the benefits have helped them much more than they've hurt. But a lot of businesses haven't been able to complete that transition and they've been filing on that dollar income. If you are the owner of one of these businesses, the ball is going to be entirely in your court after the trigger as to whether or not to continue filing. Now, if someone shows up to confiscate your real property, then you know what to do. But that's generally a last resort for the state to actually put boots on the ground and start physically seizing your material assets. I've talked about this before, and I've tried to give you all plenty of ideas and methods and point you in the right direction to make sure that you're not holding any of your wealth in the form of dollars in banks or uh, blanketed retirement accounts because they can pull those things right out from under you if you don't file without so much as a letter in the mail. I mean, you'll get the letter after they've already pulled your money, and when it's gone, it's gone, and it doesn't matter how many of, the, uh, of us there are after that. There's nothing anybody in the community can do about that. Now, I don't get into anybody's personal business unless they've invited me and asked my opinion, but I know there are a few of you who haven't completely transitioned out of the dollar yet, so your choices are going to be to either continue filing on that dollar portion of your income or find ways to move it into tangible assets that the community is able to protect when they send their thugs to come take it. You all know me. I want to avoid physical conflict if possible. But if those thugs come your way, I'll be there as I know many, many more will be. But I think you owe it to those of us who are willing to put our asses on the line to save yours to avoid putting us in that position and talk to other business owners who have been able to complete that transition and have covered themselves well and figure out how to do whatever you have to do to keep us from having to show up to defend you. 
if 60 of us showed up when we didn't even have to, to stare down two deputies, I'm pretty certain that, that we'll have however many we need to defend your property, and odds are those numbers will be enough to make any conflict an inevitable loss for the state actors. They're not smart, but they're not suicidal. Uh, the next time there is a state actor call-out, if there ever is another state actor call-out, forget 60. I fully expect it to look like a fucking parade coming down the street. But there are no guarantees here. There could be conflict, and there could be people hurt. So let's avoid that if we can. Okay. Uh, let's take a moment to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Voluntuckians. We all know that you're ready and willing to take care of business when you hear that call-out alert that says your neighbors need your help. But are you the best person for the job? How sure are you that you'll make all the right decisions to ensure that you don't wind up facing a property or charter violation yourself when you are only trying to help? If you have the right to help, then you also have the right to hire me, Dale Bishop, to do it for you. I know there are other short-term conflict resolution companies out there that you can hire that might cost a little less. But do they have a spotless company record for following the charter with zero accusations of violations? Violations that you could be potentially held partially accountable for. Because I can tell you with all honesty that neither myself or any employee of Dale Bishop STCR, past or present, have ever been accused of a violation for actions taken while on the job. If that's the kind of reliability you're looking for when it comes to non-state actor call-outs, then give us a call at Dale Bishop STCR at 679-6119 or read our many customer testimonials and credentials at dalebishop.stcr.com. Thank you. Okay, uh, I want to announce that in two weeks, on Saturday, the 7th of October, I'll be hosting another workshop for my homemade apple-scented engine degreaser. <laughs> Guaranteed to break up and remove the toughest engine grease and leave what's under your hood sparkling just like the top of your hood. <laughs> but just a heads up. Given the likelihood of our 10,000th Voluntucky community member being approved, the title of this event may change in the meantime to the Homemade Apple Brandy Workshop. <laughs> that remains to be seen. You know what? Nope. Fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and change that title now. In two weeks, on Saturday, October 7th, I will be hosting my first ever workshop on how to make homemade apple brandy. <laughs> of course, it's not my first workshop, but it will be the first one where I don't have to bullshit my way around the topic of what we're really making. Fuck the ATF Gestapo, who don't give a shit about making liquor as long as you pay them their extortion fees. I'm not paying your extortion fees, assholes. I'm making liquor, and I'm going to sell my homemade liquor to anybody who wants to buy it. And I choose to sell it to adults only because I'm a responsible fucking human. <laughs> I'm 
Now, I don't, I don't make a huge profit on my homemade 120-proof apple brandy. But it is for sale to any sovereign adult who wants to buy it at 25 tucky per quart or 10 tucky a pint or $40 per quart or $15 per pint. And I know that's not cheap, but it's the shit. <laughs> and I don't have any reservations in the least about charging what I charge. But if you'd rather not part with the money for the finished product, I am more than willing to provide full instruction at the workshop on October 7th on how to make it on your own with products readily available at your local grocery and home repair supply stores. And if you want to go full-on agorist in the gray market, that's very doable with just a little bit of shopping around. The price of the workshop is 25 tucky per attendee or 45 tucky per couple and will include one free pint of my apple brandy to tide you over until your own is ready to drink. <laughs> it's about a three-hour course. You can email or private message me to book your spot. Uh, you know, I never realized how much I would miss playing I'm Not Touching You with the Law. <laughs> it's, it's kind of been fun knowing that I'm doing something they don't want me to do that they can't touch me for because I've used their own rules against them. I, I've always started out my workshops by opening a jar and handing it to someone and asking them to pass it around and take in the that powerful apple scent. Then I'll open my own jar while I explain that this product is not fit for human consumption as I would take a sip <laughs> and that would get a good laugh from the group. Under no circumstances should you ever ingest this liquid <laughs> and I'd take another sip. It was fun. <laughs> now it's just going to be a workshop like how to crochet <laughs> and that has the potential to become boring uh, for me at least. I'll always try to keep it fun for the attendees, but it's not really privileged information. So this might be my last workshop. I don't know. Uh, maybe somebody who has taken it in the past will carry on that torch of teaching others how to do it. If I'm not on the edge, I'm bored. So I'll probably find some other way of making money at whatever that new frontier has been pushed to. Uh, the odds are that this will be the very last pre-trigger episode of the Voluntucky podcast. And the next time I talk to you, we will be in a post-trigger world. Holy shit, people. What a ride. And we're not done. This is the starting line. This is where it all begins. An historical first, at least in modern times, and definitely a first in the U.S. that any involuntary government has ever faced any portion of the populace that, that has looked them in the eye and said, we will not comply with any system of governance that presumes to hold us liable to terms that we did not individually explicitly agree to 
when our actions do harm to no one. Now it's up to them. Do they leave us be? I think we've made it an easy decision for them. You better believe that any person who currently holds the job of being the guy they send in to enforce their arbitrary edicts is strongly reconsidering whether or not he's going to show up for work when he gets that call. Now you want my prediction? I think they'll try. I think they have to try. Um, I, I really don't think our local guys will. If they were going to do that, they already would have. If it happens, it's likely going to be from state or federal level involuntary government. But I know for a fact that they'll never politically recover from sending in any force that's large enough to guarantee a win. The local guys just didn't have that capability. But if they do that, they die by their own hand. No American will ever be able to see involuntary government as their protector ever again. And if they're fool enough to send in only enough to address one particular situation and that handful of state actors sees that parade coming down the street to put them in cages for attempted property violations, I'd say that will be the end of it. They'll never send another soul our way. They'll watch, and they'll hope we get lazy, but we won't. And we'll be done with this vile, disgusting, evil, murderous shit called the state forever. That's my prediction, without a shot fired or a drop of blood spilled. I could be wrong. A boy can dream. <laughs> And that's about all I have for today. Uh, I feel pretty damn confident in saying congratulations, Voluntucky. We made it to the starting line. But whether or not the project is a success is still in your hands. All you got to do now is show up when or if you get those state actor calls, just like you've been showing up for the non-state actor calls and like many of you have been doing for the state actor calls when you didn't even have to. And I know you're going to show up because you've given me more than enough reason to believe it. Thank you so much for your listenership leading up to the trigger as well as into the future at Voluntucky, the podcast that is all about sustaining our voluntarist world in Pulaski County, Kentucky. And I'll talk to you again real soon. So, what would you think? <laughs> Can you see it a little bit more clearly now? If you didn't catch the previous episode of Voluntucky, you may not be aware that everything you just heard was entirely fictional. This was done because the easiest way to convince someone of the possibility of something is to convince them that it already exists. I've never been to Montana. I'm taking other people's word that it exists. I've also never seen a bear in the wild. I've seen them on video, but I've also seen unicorns and dragons on video that look just as real as anything I've ever seen that wasn't on a screen. Now, if I ever do cross that state line into Montana or see a bear in the wild, 
it's not going to blow my mind. Why? Because I already believe in the existence of those things. If just for a moment you believed that a voluntarist world had already been created and was fully operational in central Kentucky, I want you to hold on to that. Because unlike unicorns and dragons, the only thing that keeps the Voluntucky project from being a reality is whether or not you believe in it. You already know that the state and involuntary government is a mass hallucination where the masses pretend that some people have rights and powers that others do not. And even though you know that intellectually, you've never seen a world without it. So it can be difficult even for me to break from that illusion and awaken to the way the world actually works already. In the world we're already in, there are two and only two ways to get people to do what you want them to do. You can give positive incentives by offering them something of value in exchange, which doesn't always work because they're, they're free to refuse your offer. Or you can threaten to take something from them. And this method is much more effective in the short term. Even though the former is how we run our day-to-day -day lives, the latter is how things run at the more macro level as to how involuntary governments of the world deal with their own people. There is only one proper response to those who would try to motivate others by threatening to take something from them if they don't comply, and that is to gain the ability to protect those things that they would take. Now, in the past, those who have been able to resist such tyranny have themselves sooner or later begun to act precisely like those tyrants that they resisted. And so I realized that revolution on a massive scale would not work. What was needed was evolution at the individual level and full understanding of self-ownership. The problem with that was that masses of people are not likely to each undergo this individual personal evolution, ever. And as long as the world is run by tyrants at worst, or democratic popularity contests at best, those who have undergone this personal evolution will never be able to live in a just world. And that's why I began the Voluntucky Project. It's about joining forces with those who do fully understand self-ownership and personal responsibility to be able to defend ourselves and one another from those cult members who believe that it's perfectly moral and acceptable to threaten people with violence to get them to follow rules that harm no one else when broken. The only acceptable use of violence is to defend yourself or others from those who would issue those threats. And I can't do that alone. You can't do that alone. What keeps us from becoming the very thing that we hate once we have enough power to defend ourselves? To start, there is no single governing body. Accusations of property violations may be made by anyone against anyone without having to go through any third party and the outcome of those accusations will be determined by a jury of fellow community members who are chosen by random lottery who may, in turn, face accusations by any one of abuse of jury power. The loser of any case is responsible for jury compensation, meaning that any person issuing an accusation is assuming personal risk on multiple levels, 
making it extremely unlikely that false accusations would be issued and even less likely that anyone issuing a false accusation would not face the consequences of doing so. No one may simply decide to become a Voluntucky community member. Prospective members must be unanimously approved by three current members who are also chosen by random lottery. So there you have it. If you want a world that is not run by central planners, this is it. If you would ever consider being part of the Voluntucky Project, I need you to go to the voluntucky.com website now and sign up for our email list so you will get a notice as soon as a new blog post or podcast comes out. Once there are 100 people on the email list and 500 regular listeners to the show, I will be announcing a free workshop here in Pulaski County where those first community members will be established. As of the recording of this episode, there are 8 subscribers on the email list and 21 regular listeners according to Anchor.fm and 506 total downloads for the show. For more information on the project, please visit the Voluntucky.com website and check out the Community Charter and Becoming a Community Member pages. Feel free to post any questions you may have on the website or visit the Voluntucky Project Facebook page and post your ideas there on any post or in Messenger. And thank you for listening to Voluntucky, the podcast that is all about creating a voluntarist world in Kentucky. And I'll talk to you again real soon.